Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, WAG listeners, it's Allison, reminding you that this show cannot be made without you. If you've been thinking about becoming a Candleland supporter, we're having a pretty great sale right now. You'll get premium ad-free feeds of all Candleland shows, discounts on merch from our store, and exclusive bonus episodes from some of our podcasts. We want to make it as easy as possible for you to become a Canada Land supporter. So from now until the end of May, we have a special offer for our listeners. For $2 a month, you can become a supporter and do your part to ensure we can continue making this show. And we really like making this show for you. Basically nothing costs $2 anymore. You could like get a bag of candy, a locker at a public swimming pool. I've been honestly trying to think of something that cheap and I'm not getting far. So sign up for just $2 a month for the next six months. Just go to canadaland.com slash join or click the link in your show notes to become a supporter today. I wonder if for an opening, we could talk about just like when a good time to use a notwithstanding clause would be. Yeah, a I nuclear mean, bomb just fell in Toronto and we need to institute martial law. Is that a good time? You probably wouldn't even need to, right? Like governments can already place limits on freedoms if it can be shown to be, you know, reasonable and justified. And it is still difficult to imagine a situation where a court decision is so fundamentally wrong and destructive that you would in fact need to override it. Oh, um, I'm Jonathan Goldsby. I am the news editor at Canada Land. I covered Rob and Doug Ford at City Hall for many years and am trapped in a cycle of eternal recurrence. I'm Allison Smith, publisher of Queen's Park Today. I covered Doug Ford's PC leadership campaign, the spring election campaign, and now two and a half months of his premiership. But also, quite importantly, you were a Queen's Park before and therefore know how things are supposed to work in a functioning, healthy democracy that respects norms. Yes. And this is the third episode of Wag the Doug, a pop-up podcast about Doug Ford. 
We make an episode whenever we feel like it or when something out of the ordinary happens, which it did this week. Sometimes be concerned that, oh no, nothing out of the ordinary has happened for a bit. Our podcasting career's over. What should we do? <laughs> what should we do? And then we wait another week and we're discussing our fundamental freedoms. vacation is coming up you can already hear the beach waves feel the warm breeze relax and think about work you really really want it all to work out while you're away monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind when all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync things just flow wherever you are tap the banner to go to monday.com My direction to our House leader and whip is to do what it takes to ensure that this law, which has already been passed once already, is reintroduced, voted on, and passed again on the quickest possible timetable. I also want to make it clear that we're prepared to use Section 33 again in the future. So there we have it. Despite the Superior Court ruling, Toronto will have 25 wards in October's election. It's fantastic. Doug Ford has been premier for less than two and a half months. And we've only done somewhere our third episode of this. And in that time, our discussion has moved from like the expansive powers of majority government to in our second episode really trying to explore like, okay, they can do all these things. There are all these parallel legal challenges going on on uh, at least four different issues that we could figure out. Basically, we're talking about how there are certain limits. Thank God you can appeal to the Constitution. Well, uh, funny, we should be talking about the Constitution because as of this week, we are sort of reminded that, oh, that that doesn't necessarily matter so much either. So how'd we get this far? Monday morning, 8 a.m., Justice Edward Bellobaba uh, released his decision on the various multifarious challenges to the province's Bill 5, the Better Local Government Act. The uh, judge in the case has ruled against the province in uh, this dispute over the size of Toronto City In Council which he struck down on the basis of Section 2B of the Charter and that it infringed upon the freedom of expression of voters and, in some cases, candidates. Because it was enacted in the middle of the municipal election. I think he makes fairly pointed yeah. that if Doug Ford had put forward the same exact bill, but it applied to the future, a future election, his complaints or his ruling wouldn't apply. So it was very much has to do with the timing of Bill 5. So some basic constitutional law here. Rights are not absolute. Every right is subject to Section 1 of the Charter on Rights and Freedoms, which basically says... The rights and freedoms set out are subject only to such reasonable limits prescribed by law as can be demonstrably justified in a free democratic society. That means, in practice, governments can make laws such that your rights aren't absolute. Like, you and, need a driver's license to drive a car. That yeah. is taking away my right to just drive wherever I want, whenever I want. 
I have to drive on the road. I can't just drive on the field. <laughs> yeah, basically, that's the entire that's the entire system of of, of laws is figuring out what are the checks on absolute freedom to actually make a society structure and function. And once again, governments have a lot of discretion to make laws that are fringe upon rights reasonably. In this case, as the judge said, the only things that the province were able to offer, either because of the limited time to prepare their case or because they simply didn't have anything else. The only evidence, you mean? Yeah. The only evidence they were able to file was speeches that, that Doug Ford and his cabinet had made in the House, as well as government press releases. And as we discussed in the last episode, political rhetoric only gets you so far in the courts. But there's this other part of the Constitution, such that the House of Commons or a provincial legislature can just literally write into a law, notwithstanding uh, this part of the Constitution that protects this given right, we want to do this thing anyway. And that's, once again, not something you generally have to think about in your day-to-day day lives because it's only been used a handful of times in the history of the country. And I note that most of the times it was used were back in the 80s, which was when the Charter of Rights and Freedoms was introduced. As far as I can tell, it's only been invoked maybe – it's only been invoked like three times seriously and then on like a handful of other – a number of other occasions sort of to make a point such as when Quebec had a sort of a long series of fuck you, we're not bound by your charter – uh, fits in the 80s. But it is remarkable that this thing has been sitting in our constitution for 35 years, a little more than that. And goodness knows there have been three decades of legal scholarship, almost four decades of legal scholarship on this question now. But it goes back to something we learned a lot in when Rob Ford was mayor of Toronto and something we've seen a lot since Donald Trump has been president of the United States which is that democratic institutions depend in very large part on the implicit good faith of the people working within it and that it is remarkably easy to just sidestep all of those things that were in place because all the things that sort of hold our society together were not designed in a way that contemplated people using them for nefarious ends, using them for grudges. (laughs) Or simply not having shame. And on a 2015 episode of TVO's The Agenda that discussed sort of the origins of the Constitution and uh, how we got the notwithstanding clause, it's really remarkable to hear Jean Chrétien, who was justice minister at the time in the early 80s, put it pretty much in those terms. Mr. Trudeau, you know, was strongly opposed to the notwithstanding clause. He wanted that charter left alone. Yes, he was of the notion that, you know, the court are to protect the rights, absolutely. I was of the other view, that the override was giving the people, you know, the last word. The legislatures. Yes, Mm -hmm. but in a difficult way. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, the notwithstanding clause, you have to understand, you have to write down, notwithstanding the equality of this and that. I want to discriminate. It's better for you to have a good argument. Mm -hmm. And on top of it... So it's better to just have a good argument. What's remarkable is he didn't seem to imagine that a premier or a prime minister in the future would lack the necessary shame or appreciation for these rights such that they would have really no problem writing out or explicitly stating, notwithstanding this right, 
we want to do this thing anyway, as though that would be some sort of nearly insurmountable hurdle that would only be broken out in the most extraordinary situations. And frankly, it's remarkable that it hasn't been abused more often. So then this bill, when Bill 5 is reintroduced this week, it's going to have the phrase, notwithstanding Ontarians' freedom of expression, Something to that city effect. of Toronto gets 25 wards. Yes. I mean, I guess, how, how, have you, how have you seen this manifest at Queen's Park so far? How does it work when someone comes in from outside with limited respect for or understanding of all that? Well, I mean, it hasn't happened before, so I guess everyone's just getting used to it. I think it's interesting that, A, that Attorney General Caroline Mulroney wasn't at the press conference yesterday. She's always been painted as one of the people of reason in Doug Ford's cabinet, although she did tweet her support for this. So we're going to see all of the, the PC MPPs fall in line. I mean, Andrea Horvath is <laughs> just as flabbergasted, I suppose, as as you would be. She had a really great response when asked whether or not Doug Ford was making this change and, you know, pulling out this arsenal just for a grudge. And she couldn't help but like snort laugh in mm-hmm. response to that. So I think, I mean, we're seeing from her just and the admittance actually from her that her NDP caucus can't really do anything about this. And I think that that's because of a majority government, but that, the, you know, any tools that they have in their arsenal are just so meek compared to being able to change the Constitution or use the Constitution uh, in a way that it's not normally used to curtail freedoms. The judge's ruling, Justice Bello Baba, it did, I think it was very colorful in its use of language. It had a much noted reference to crickets as uh, was basically him saying that the government wasn't providing when mm-hmm. didn't provide enough evidence. Yeah. That those were the crickets. Was the judiciary in this case being partisan or can that argument be made? Because definitely pro Ford people. And I think Ford himself, like Mm -hmm. yesterday at the press conference, he was angry and it seemed like this was like very much a response to him thinking that the judge was making it personal. The judge also said that Ford was working more out of peak than principle, accusing Ford of acting out of anger, which is there actual evidence of that? We kind of know that. Like, it's the same thing you're talking about, like, political rhetoric and what we know about Doug Ford. But was that evidence actually presented? Well, to the extent that the province submitted that as evidence, not submitted, oh, this guy's angry, but submitted his speeches, submitted his rhetoric, whether for lack of time to build a better case or for any other evidence, that's what they gave. And so that's what he had to weigh on. It doesn't mean the decision is inherently correct. I mean, that's what appeals courts are for. And there is a decent reason to believe this could be overturned on appeal. There are certain fundamental assumptions. We should say the province is appealing this as well as writing a new bill that will (laughs) override it. Yeah. And these are the sorts of issues that that should be clarified in the Court of Appeal and potentially the Supreme Court, though goodness knows how the timelines for that would work. The issue here isn't the disagreement with the judge's decision because judges make disagreeable decisions all the time. Um, And, you know, there's a process for working that up through the courts and clarifying it. The really deeply unnerving and unsettling and upsetting thing here is 
Doug Ford's surprise that the judge would have an opinion at all and that that would count for something. He seemed genuinely surprised that the courts had an ability to offer a check on his powers. Well, and he laid that out in a bunch of different ways. I mean, most frankly, when he said, I was elected, the judge was appointed. I would never imagine in a million years a democratically elected government by 2.3 million people being overturned by one appointed judge. So, um, which he did incorrectly when he when he said that uh, Justice Bell Obama was appointed by Delta McGuinty, which was wrong, but calling into question the, the judge's credentials, I guess, on this. Which is itself... Deeply unsettling. Right. Was, if, I mean, if it was just that, it would be unsettling. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, and, he made it, and he made it clear that he would like to have said a lot more about this judge as an, or perhaps the judge as an individual or perhaps the judiciary system more generally. We didn't trample on anyone's rights. And I'm kind of handcuffed to say anything else based on that. But I think people at home know exactly what I may be thinking and what our government is thinking. Democracy is when you can't say a word on any decision. That's not democracy. That's scary. That I'm sitting here handcuffed with a piece of tape over my mouth, watching what I say, that is actually scary. So does that mean one of his handlers was just before he walked out, do not slander the judge, do not slander the judge? Yes. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know that like, independently, but yes, that that's absolutely that's the reading how I it. interpret it because his inclination, his instinct is to go after the individual. I mean, I kind of want to talk a bit more about just the specifics and the the justification that Ford is using himself, you know, because that's what this in a lot of ways really comes down to. And, and there's so many contradictions in all of the reasons that he's using to, to enact this. Um, I mean, he said that their bill was vetted upside down and inside out, and every constitutional uh, scholar agreed with it. But then, as we said, the ministry of the attorney general couldn't even provide, you know, more than a few pages of evidence mm -hmm. that there was anything, you know, useful about the bill or fair about the bill. Um, in his press conference, he over and over again said, I respect the courts, I respect the courts, while calling into question the credentials of the judge and obviously not respecting the courts by overthrowing their decision. He said that he's doing this because he campaigned on making government smaller, which, as we know, he never campaigned on this actual decision, but is very much calling up the, as we said, 2.3 million people who voted for him and that, you know, they're going to be the judge and jury in this in this decision. And that that, again, that City Hall is so dysfunctional that there's no way the province can work with them or the province doesn't want to work with this 47 person city council. And I mean, just all of those things, they don't they don't make any sense. And they're just so full riddled with errors. And if he's just going to be basing any decisions that he makes on stuff that isn't true, I mean, I guess that's just that's where the, we leave that this is left and that he's going to fight so hard based on faulty premises. I think we're going to watch his cabinet ministers start aging rapidly. <laughs> I'd, yeah, I'd like to. I mean, I'd certainly like to know more about that. Um, does Which is tough because they're not talking to the media at all. You can't get a quote out of any of them. And like they say, he says or claims that this will be a you know a free vote this week on whether to reintroduce the Better Local Government Act 2 or whatever they call it. Under what circumstances 
would a member of his government not vote in favor of it? Is there any conceivable circumstance? I don't think so. I mean, they all voted for the bill anyways, right? They voted for the the mm. content of the bill. So as less one of them, you know, thinks that this is the constitutional crisis that, you know, some some left-wing pundits are calling it, which, you know, they're, they're under no incentive to embrace that, you know, without crossing the aisle, which I don't, doesn't seem like anybody's ready to do yet. But maybe, maybe it'll happen at some point in four years. But I don't, I don't think this will be the catalyst for that. Why is it so important to have these changes in place, whatever you may think of them, for this election to the point where you would override the Charter of Rights and Freedoms for the first time in the history of the province of Ontario? Can we talk about John Tory just for oh, one yeah. second? Oh, yeah. His reaction mayor, to this, well, he's mayor, yeah. and he's, you know, he's running again very soon, and it looks like he's going to win. Like, And usually I don't quibble with John Tory that much just because he's so boring. I don't care. But like he says, strategy. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 how he gets his army out there. Um, no, is that he's still going to hold a referendum on the number of ward sizes if he wins mayorship. Should I be returned to office as mayor, I will obtain council approval to hold a citywide referendum to finally let the people have a real say on this issue. In Which is just the most pointless thing I've ever heard, because we don't need a referendum on something that the gov- that the province will have at that point appealed and had two pieces of legislation to enact. That he is so enamored with the concept of a referendum is kind of perplexing. Maybe the problem is that there's no good foil to Doug Ford. And there really wasn't like a great one to rob Ford either. Like Andrew Horvath, I don't think is a good foil to Doug. And and John Tory certainly isn't either. Like, is Trudeau? Maybe? <sighs> what What politician can stand up against him and not and actually be able to make him look wrong. Yeah, I mean, Andrea Horvath, just seeing her at the press conference, you get the sense that like her reaction is like anyone's reaction would be in that situation. Like our reaction would be if we were there. It's like, this is horrible. I mean, this is not her. I mean, it's not her fault. No, it's not. No, no, it's not. But yeah, but the question is like, what what sort of person can marshal opposition loudly and fiercely, even if you can own that will only get you so far because you, you know, you can't vote Doug Ford out right now. You can't a minority government can't take down a majority or sorry, I'm, 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 uh, opposition can't take down a majority government. You can't rewrite the constitution. Like there's not really much, but what can you do to actually energize people? I guess to- this is literally what the Ontario Liberal Party is trying to figure out right now because they have to appoint a new leader who's hopefully going to, for them, hopefully going to be that person. So maybe we should placate our listeners by letting them know the sections of the Charter of Rights and Freedoms that the notwithstanding clause cannot be used to revoke. Uh, so in Section 3, it's democratic rights, which have include our right to vote. Uh, it includes basically a right to routine elections every um, less than five years. Then mobility rights. Every citizen in Canada has the right to enter, remain, and leave in Canada. So Doug Ford can't take that away from us. You can escape legally still. He can't pin you in, <laughs> in theory. But I think those voting rights are, are important ones to know because yeah. what, you know, made Bill 5 
scary to people when it was first introduced and why, you know, as much as I, I said, you know, we don't really feel like our rights or, or freedoms of expression are being trampled by this, um, by Ford using this notwithstanding clause in this case. But what made makes both of those things scarier is when a government is using its power to change how governments are run, right? So we should have some comfort in the fact that, you know, Doug Ford can't instate himself president of Ontario for all time. There's limits to that. That was Wag the Dog, a podcast about overriding your charter rights and freedoms and other things we hold dear. I'm Allison Smith. You have the right to reach me on Twitter at, at Queen's Park Today. And I'm Jonathan Goldsby. You can find me on Twitter at Goldsby. Wag the Dog is produced by Kevin Sexton. Our theme song is Doug Ford's theme song, Only Better. Thanks to Nathan Burley. This is episode three. We plan on making more. If you want to know when they come out, either check the stream sporadically or just follow Candleland on Facebook or Twitter. Uh, if something dire and upsetting happens, you know, maybe a couple days later, you'll hear us talking about it. Lots of you listeners have already left us ratings and reviews in the iTunes store. So if you like the show and you want to hear more of it, keep doing that and keep listening. 